Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's say this together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Now, this morning, as we continue our series, and I, and I pray that you have been reading this incredible book that was written by young adults in our church, and I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of what God has spoken through them, and I, I learn something every time I read in this book. It's been an incredible book, and, and I pray that you're bringing them, and you're taking the notes, and you're keeping the notes, and that you're taking it back to your one groups, and that you're really discussing this in your one groups. Uh, but as we continue, we recognize that Jesus gives us eight principles or eight keys to being happy, to being fulfilled and satisfied in our life. And every beatitude actually builds off the, the beatitude that came before it. And so Jesus said, if you really want to be happy, you really want to be satisfied, you've got to be poor in spirit. He said, and, and, and when you're poor in spirit, then you mourn over your sinfulness, your brokenness, and, and you receive comfort through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then he said, and as a result of that, you walk in humility, you walk in meekness, and when you walk in meekness, then, then you'll be able to understand what God is saying to the world that is around you and how you can respond to that world. And he said, and then if you want to be happy, you've got to hunger and thirst after the right things. And so he said, when you're poor in spirit and you're broken and you repent of your sins and you're walking in meekness, then you've got this hunger for the right thing. Not a hunger for the wrong thing, but a hunger to do what is right, to be holy like God. And when you've got that hunger to be holy like God, then you can walk in the mercy that God has given you. So he said, blessed are, happy is the person who shows mercy to other people. Because how many know that every one of us in this room, we need some mercy? Come on. We need mercy from God, and we need mercy from other people. And then he said, and as you receive that mercy in your life, you give that mercy to somebody else. And then he said, I want you to also understand and recognize that that hunger needs to turn into a hunger for being pure. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And he said, when you've got a pure heart, then you're able to see God at work in every situation in your life. Not only that, but when you keep your heart pure, you're also going to have the promise that one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. How many of you are waiting to see Jesus? Come on. How many of you are longing to see Jesus? And the Bible says it does not appear what we shall be like, but when we see him face to face, we'll know that we are going to be like him. Come on, somebody. Say, I want to be like Jesus. Come on. Now, I want you to know that the Beatitudes, again, they're kind of stepping stones to the next Beatitude. And so Jesus said, as a result of being poor in spirit and broken over your sinfulness and walking in meekness and having the hunger for the right things in your life and making sure that you show mercy to other people and having a pure heart, when that happens, then it will lead you to being a peacemaker. Come on, somebody. He said, then you'll have peace in your life. Listen, you cannot have peace in your life until you recognize you're not God, he's God, and you're wholly dependent on him. You can't have 
peace with God until you have reconciled yourself to God and you have repented of your sin. Listen to me. David said, as long as I harbored sin in my heart, I could not have peace in my life. You know what? Let me tell you something. Depression so often is stemmed. It's rooted in unresolved sin in our life. Come on. Now, I'm not telling you that every time you're depressed, it's because of sin. You know, some people are depressed because they've got a chemical imbalance. And, and listen, I believe in Christian psychology. I do. I believe that sometimes you've got to find a Christian psychologist. I, I, I want you to know that if you're going to find a psychologist or a psychiatrist, don't find one that's not a Christian because they've got wisdom and that wisdom does not come from the word. But man, when you get a Christian psychologist, somebody who knows the word and understands somebody, how they act and they react and sometimes even understand what's happening chemically in their body and you put that together, that's a blessing from God. Come on. So I'm not telling you that every time you're depressed, there's a sin issue in your life. But often, depression and anxiety is rooted in unresolved conflict inside of yourself. And David said, when I did not repent of my sin, when I didn't come clean of my sin, when I didn't confess my sin. You know, the Bible says confession is good for the what? For the soul. Confession is good for the mind. Confession is good for our relationship. Listen to me. Confession is also good for the peace that God wants us to have in our life. And so when we're living in sin, we can't have peace. Why? Because we're double-minded. And a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. And so if you're living one foot in the world and one foot in the church, if you're living with your heart, one, one, one part of your heart for God and the other part of your heart for the world, you're never going to have peace in your life. You've got to resolve the lordship issue in your life. Let me tell you something. Growing up in this church, I was a young person, and I loved the world, and I loved the Lord. And as long as I loved the world and I loved the Lord, I had no peace in my life until I was 19 years old. And I said, no more, no more. Lord Jesus, I give you my whole heart. I give you my whole life. And let me tell you, when I did that, I surrendered to God. Peace flooded my soul. Why? Because I was single-minded in my life. And so when you're single-minded, you receive the peace of God in your life. Listen to me, the pathway to to peace or happiness in your life starts with understanding that you're poor in spirit, that you're broken over your sin, that you need to walk in meekness, that you need to walk with a hunger for righteousness, and that you're merciful to other people. And as you begin to do all of that, peace begins to flood your soul in your heart. Now listen to me. Have you ever, have you ever seen a dad and a son, and you say to them, you say to yourself, wow, what an uncanny resemblance. You know, my dad died when I was a little boy, but we've got pictures of my dad. And, you know, there was just something inside of me that always longed to look like my dad. And, you know, my mom used to say, man, you got your dad's eyes. You, you look like your dad. And I'd always be excited about looking like my dad. Why? Because he was so handsome. <laughs> and there's a longing in our hearts to actually look like our dad, look like our father. We long to look like our heavenly father. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is that when you are filled with the peace of God and you are a peacemaker, you look like your father. And when you look like your father, then people will call you a child of God.
You see, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. There's no greater honor that we could have. There's no greater respect. There's no greater compliment a person can give me than that I look like God, that I act like God, that I act like Jesus. Friend, the truth of the matter is, is it's not about how much knowledge you have. Listen to me. I know some Christians that have a lot of knowledge about the word of God, but they live like the devil. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. And, and there's nothing that turns off the world. There's nothing that turns off our neighbors. There's no one, nothing that turns off our coworkers more than a person that's got head knowledge of the word of God, but they're living like the devil. Hey, listen to me. I want to tell you something, and I'm not talking about you in particular, but the devil shows up every Sunday morning in church. <laughs> I said the devil shows up every morning in church on Sunday morning. Why? Because you can have all that knowledge. You can even give in the offering. You can give your tithes and your offerings, but you can be like the devil. You know, there's some people that they come to church and they listen to the word and they listen to the word. But man, I want to tell you something. They're always in turmoil. They're always in chaos. When they walk in the room, you say, uh-oh, trouble's coming. You know, they know the word, but they're so divisive. They know the word. In fact, they use the word to divide instead of bringing people together. You know how you can tell when a person's truly a Christian? When they have a peacemaker heart. Not when they speak in tongues. Not when they pray. I know some devils that know how to pray. Come on, somebody. They've been in my church. Hallelujah. They come to the altar and they pray and they speak in tongues and they pray for an hour and then they go in the foyer and they gossip about everybody else in the church. Come on, somebody. Hello. You know, I know the devil knows how to read the Bible. You know, the devil knows the Bible better than you know the Bible. So, so knowing the Bible is not always an indication that somebody is really a child of God. But Jesus said, they will know that you are a true believer. They will know that you are a true child of God when you love one another, when you bring peace. And so a peacemaker is a wonderful reflection of who God is. A peacemaker is a wonderful reflection of a child of God. Now listen to me. If Jesus actually lives inside of you, who is the Prince of Peace, notice what the Bible says. The Bible says he is the Prince of Peace. And so when the Prince of Peace comes to live inside of you, then wherever you go in this world, you will bring peace. You'll bring a little bit more peace into your family because you've got Jesus in your life. You'll bring a little bit more peace at work because you've got Jesus in your life. You'll bring a little bit more peace into your marriage because you've got the Prince of Peace living on the inside. So I got to ask you a question today. Are you a peacemaker? Now, I often use this illustration. It's a great illustration but there are several kinds of peace people in this world. And I'm going to add another one. You ready? I know you've heard me say a few, but I'm going to give you another one, all right? So somebody, some people are peace fakers, right? They, face, they fake peace. Some people are fake, uh, peace breakers. They're always breaking peace. Huh? But I'm going to give you another one now. You ready? Some people are peace keepers. They're peace keepers. 
And you know why they keep the peace? It's not because they want to make peace or they really enjoy peace. It's just about themselves. They want tranquility. You know, we, have, we send peacekeepers overseas. And, and what do they do? They are armed to the T and they make sure that they keep the peace. My nephew, who's a police officer, was assigned to a place in Harlem that was actually really, it was just erupted with violence and he had to stand on the corner with a gun and he had to make sure that everybody knew that he was the peace, that he was the, the peacekeeper. Now the truth of the matter was, if he wasn't there, there would be no peace. So was it really peace within? No, it was external peace. And so when we are keep peacekeepers, what we're actually trying to do is just keep the Keep it calm. Keep it calm. See, the word peace in the Bible is shalom, and it means so much more than just keeping it calm. Being a a peacekeeper means that, listen, you go to one service and I'll go to the other service because I don't want to see your face. You know, I actually have people in the church, they come and they have a conflict with another brother or sister in the church, and they go, thank God, we've got four services, so I don't need to see sister so-and-so in the church anymore. Can you imagine that? You know, they're like, oh, uh, you know what? Uh, Let's just make a deal. You go to the first and I'll go to the fourth because I don't ever want to see your face again. Oh, really? That's peace? That's making peace? No, no, no. That's just just keeping it calm. That's just keeping it peaceful, but there's not really peace. And so you can be a peace faker. You can fake it. Yeah, everything's good. Everything's great. You know, when I'm mad at my wife, She's like, everything good? Yeah, everything's good. You know, ultimately, it's going to come out. You know, you cannot harbor hurt on the inside. You cannot harbor bitterness on the inside. You cannot despise somebody and get away with it forever. At some point, it's going to be revealed. It's going to come out. Why? Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can just kind of hold it and push it in and shove it down and, and, and try to keep it as, as tight as you can, but that thing's going to boil over one day and you're going to do some really stupid things because you didn't really look at making peace. You were just trying to keep peace. And when there's no peace on the inside, it's going to boil over into turmoil. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you a peacemaker? And before you answer that question for yourself, let me ask you another question. What would your spouse say about that? What what would your family say about that? What would your children say about that? What would your coworkers say about that? What would your pastor say about that? Before you answer that question, you, you need to recognize that you might have some blind spots in your heart and in your life? What would others say about that? What would your parents say about that? What would your neighbors say about that? Would they say, when so-and-so walks into the room, I can, I can feel peace when they walk into the room. You know, you know, Jesus said, when you go into a house, what did he say? He said, when you go into somebody's house and you're welcome, what do you leave in that house? He leave peace, leave shalom in that house. He said, He said, when you go into a house, leave the peace of God. Notice what Jesus says to his disciples. Before he goes up to heaven, he says to his disciples, shalom I give to you. Peace I give you. He said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you have peace. When, when the Prince of Peace comes, you have peace. And guess what? When you go somewhere, you bring that peace with you. So would they say that when so-and-so comes in to work in, on Monday morning, they bring peace with them? Uh-oh, it's getting hot in here now. <sighs> would your family say that when you walk into the house after hard days of work, you, you bring peace with you into the house when so-and-so is around. You know that, you know that there's not going to be a whole lot of drama that happens when, when they're around. Or, or when so-and-so is around, there's always a problem. When, when so-and-so is around, you never know when a fight or an argument or a disagreement is going to happen. It's just like they're boiling over and you just don't know. And, you know, we, we tend to, listen, we tend to avoid those kind of people. Hmm? You know, don't look at your neighbor right now. It's not the right time. It's like, you know, those people that are just always boiling over. Those people that, you know, they, they look like they're simmered, but you just know. You just know that when they're around, drama's going to happen. When, you, when they're around, you know that at any moment, an argument, a disagreement can happen. When so-and-so is around, I can't feel peaceful. I can't feel the peace of the Lord. I can't feel calm. Well, Jesus said, if, if you're not a peacemaker, then you're, not, you're really not a child of God. You know, notice what he said. He said, and, and when you are a peacemaker, they will call you. Who will call you a child of God? It's easy to call yourself a child of God. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I'm a child of God. You know, it's easy to put a label on myself. But isn't it great when your neighbors say, wow, that person, he's a child of God. I might not even agree with the religion. I might not even agree with where they go to church. I might not even agree what they believe in, but there's just something about that person. That's, that's, that's what Jesus said when he said, let your light so shine, the light of your peace so shine that they might see the acts of peace in your life and they might glorify God and call you a child of God. The greatest compliment you can have is a non-Christian saying, that person is like Jesus. That person is like God. That person is a child. They will call. You won't call yourself. You won't have to call yourself a child of God because everybody else is going to call you a child of God. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me today? Did I come to the right church today? Listen to me. I know people who claim to be Christians, but they're always in a fight. They're always in a battle. They're always in conflict. Always offended. Always, always offended. You're walking on eggshells with them. They're always offending. They're always angry. They're always, they're always annoyed at something. They're, they're always causing the turmoil. They always seem to, to create a lot of drama around them. But James says, listen with James chapter 3. I want you to write this down, and I want you to go home, and I want you to dwell on this verse. Dwell on it. We're going to refer to it again. But look at James chapter 3, verse 18. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who, look what it says, those who what? Those who what? Those who fake peace. Those who break peace. Those who keep peace. No, he said, a harvest of righteousness. Good things. No, in other words, James is saying good things. All good things. Joy, peace, self-control, righteousness prosperity, blessings. 
All of the presence of God and the things of God, all of that, a harvest of righteousness, of right things, of living holy and righteous, it's all sown, listen to me, in peace. Where there's no peace, there's no righteousness. Where there's no peace in my heart, there's no righteousness. Where there's no peace in my family, there's no righteousness. Where there's no peace in my marriage, there's no righteousness. Where there's no peace at work, there's no righteousness. But he said, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who, listen to me, make peace. Everybody say, make peace. Make peace. So, so Jesus says to all of us in this room, if you want to look like me, if you want to be like me, if you want to resemble me, if you want to represent me, if you want to be known as a child of God, he says, it's your responsibility to make peace. It's your responsibility to bring peace into your family, into your church, into your workplace. In fact, I want to, I want to look at a couple of more Bible verses, but you know, let me tell you something. You need to stay away from people who are always causing division in the church. I mean, run like the house is on fire. Get away. Because they're going to poison you with gossip. They're going to poison you with dissension and division. And so I want to show you what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, make, look what it says, make every effort, make every effort to live in what? Shalom and peace with everyone. With who? With who? With the people you get along with? With the people you agree with? With the people you sit in church with? Everyone. Even people that don't like you. Even people you don't like. And I know you don't like some people. He said, live in peace with everyone and, and be holy. Notice, notice the connection between holiness and peace. No, notice the connection between being at peace with people and being at peace within. And notice the connection to being holy and righteous. Be holy without holiness. No one will what? See God. Notice the connection again. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Notice that being pure in heart precedes what? Being at peace with others. And so Jesus tells every child of God that we need to make peace, so we make every effort. It's hard work. It's hard. It's hard work to be at peace with everyone. It takes a lot of courage. It takes prayer. It takes being in the Word. It takes humbling ourselves. It takes taking our pride and bringing it to the foot of the cross. It, it takes conversation. It takes conversation. It takes going to the person that you offended or the person that offended you and, and sitting down maybe for hours at times. You know, I know some people, they, 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 they say, I forgive you, but we're not talking about it. We, we ain't talking about it. No, that's not biblical at all, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. You know, we, I don't want to deal with it. I just want it to be over. We're not, we're not going to talk. No, no, that's not what the Word of God says. It, it takes conversation. You know, sometimes it takes a conversation. You go to the person that offended you, and the Bible says that in Matthew, notice in Matthew chapter 5, the same chapter, same chapter, okay? Jesus talks about blessing, 
Blessed be the, are the peacemakers. And then he goes on. He talks about murder, and he talks about murder in our heart, and he talks about being angry. And notice what he also talks about. He, t- he talks about being able to be reconciled to those that have offended you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, I believe it is. Jesus says, and if a brother offends you, and then you come to church on Sunday morning, and you want to put your dancing worship shoes on, come on, let's worship the Lord. And you want to come to the altar and spend time with Jesus. And, and, there, and, and at that moment, you, you, you recognize, you remember that you offended somebody or somebody is offended or you, you're offended by somebody. He said, leave your gift of worship at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. Go be reconciled to your sister. And, and he said, and keep it between you guys. He said, so, so go and work on it. Work on it. Takes work. Takes man. Let's make an appointment. Let's sit down together. It takes work because you need to be self-controlled because we always want to win the argument. How many of you you like to win the argument? Come on. But it takes time to pray about it. Ask the Lord. Lord, what's going on in my own heart? And the Bible says, and and, and you get together and you sit together and you pray and then you share your hearts with one another. I've had to do this a million times. Thank God. Thank God that there are people that are still godly people, biblical people, that when they have an issue, even with the pastor, they don't just leave the church. They don't just write him a letter and say, I'm gone. But they sit down and they talk it through and they pray it through. And I've had to do this a million times, even in my own personal life, where I've I've hurt somebody, I've offended somebody. And what does the Bible say? There's a pattern. One, you go to the person. You speak only to the person. No, no, I got to go talk to my posse about this. I got to talk to sister so-and-so about this so that they can pray for that brother or sister who's living in sin. And you know, guess what? When you tell somebody else about something that somebody else did to you, guess what? You're always going to tell them your side of the story. And let me promise you, your side of the story isn't 100% true. It's just not accurate. I'll tell you why. Because you got blind spots. You see through your own emotion. You see through what you understand. And that's why the Bible tells us that we walk in meekness and humility. We recognize we don't see it all. I'm telling you, for every conflict I've ever had in the church and in my life, I had something to do with it. And so my first step is to say, God, what's going on in my own heart? What have I contributed to this situation? And then I call up. We get together. We talk about it openly. Let each other share don't jump in. Don't, don't interrupt the other brother. Don't, don't interrupt the other sister. Don't look, go into that meeting looking to be right or win the argument. Because when you do that, you already lost. You lost a brother. You won an argument. You lost a brother. Come on. How many arguments have we won and how many sisters and brothers have we lost along the way? Come on. And the Bible says if that doesn't work, it didn't work, then you got to work a little harder. You call up another Christian brother that you both agree, Christian sister, somebody who's mature in the Lord, not your friend, not your buddy, not the person that sees it your way. You call somebody, you sit down, non-biased, and you work through that. And if that doesn't work, you go to another step. You call for the pastors of the church. When are you going to start trusting the pastors? Hello? Amen. When are we going to start trusting the God that's inside of leadership? To make sure that when you're doing these things, you gather a couple of leaders together, godly people, and you, you work through it. The Bible says make every effort. It takes a lot of work to be a peacemaker. 
But ha- what happens when you, when you are a peacemaker? The Bible says you, you sow a harvest. How many of you, how many of you in this room, you want to be blessed by God? Let me see your hands. You, you want to, oh, you, you want to be blessed. How many of you want to be prosperous? How many of you want to be healthy? How many of you, you want to defeat sickness in your life? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. How many of you want to have good marriages, good relationships, good homes? How many of you want to be married? <laughs> How many of you want to stay married? <laughs> How many of you want to stay alive? Oh, I just got it. Staying alive. You know, you know the truth is, you can't be blessed. Listen to me. Jesus said, you cannot reap a harvest of blessings in your life when you're a peace breaker, a peace faker, a peace keeper. He said, the only people that are blessed by God are peacemakers. So you don't have a choice. You, you don't get an option. Option one, make peace with your brother. Option two, don't make peace with your brother and still be blessed by God. No, it don't work like that. Do you know how many people I see in the church, they're praying for, for healing of their body. And the reason why God is not healing them is because they've got bitterness in their heart. Not always. It's not always. But sometimes it is simply because they won't let go of a bitterness that they have in their heart. And God says, I can't bless you until you bless someone else. We're going to watch. We're going to see in a few moments what actually the word peace means. Proverbs 12, 20 says this. Listen to what it says. The deceit fills hearts of those who plot evil. But listen, joy fills hearts that are planning peace. You've got to plan for peace. When you're a peacemaker, you actually plan to bring peace. You plan, you strategize to bring peace. So let me ask you a question. How are you planning to make peace in your family? Eleanor Roosevelt said this. She said, it isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One, listen to me, must work at it. So you have to plan for peace. You have to ask yourself, what are the ways that I can promote peace in my family? What are the ways that I can promote a plan of peace in my marriage? How do you plan for peace in your marriage? How do you plan for peace in your workplace? I I plan for peace in my marriage. I've been married September the 3rd. This year will be 36 years. And we'll receive gifts in humility. No, just kidding. 36 years of marriage. It hasn't been easy, you know? I mean, she lives with a perfect person. I don't. Come on. And humble, too. You know what I'm talking about, brother. Yeah, man. He's he's agreeing with me. You're dead after the service. My wife is going to kill you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, It hasn't been easy. And the truth is, I have to plan for peace in my marriage. I have to plan for peace in my home. And how do I do that? I'm going to tell you. Here's a couple of ways that I do that. Number one, I'm telling you something. Every morning when I get up, i got to change my attitude. Something happens from the time that I go to bed and I wake up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. My attitude changes. I got pains that I didn't have when I, when I went to sleep and I'm thinking she's beating me up in the morning. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not in a good mood when I wake up in the morning. And the first five minutes of my day is going to determine the rest of my day. I'm telling you the truth. 
how I get up in the morning, how I respond to things in the morning. Gentlemen, you want to have a good, oh, watch out, watch out, it's coming. You want to have a good sex life? Sex starts at 5.30 in the morning. You need to respect your wife when she gets up in the morning. Come on. If you want 11.30 p.m. to be good, you better make sure 5.30 in the morning is good. Some of you will get it on the way home. Some of you won't get it on the way home at all. That's the thing. But, 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 but we, we plan for peace. How do I plan for peace? I get up in the morning. I change my attitude. I get up in the morning and I go for my walk. I was, I was up early this morning doing my prayer walk and saying to God, God, create in me a clean heart, God. Lord, there are things in my heart that you only know, God. Search me, God. And know if there's any evil ways inside of my heart. Know if there's any bitterness, Lord. Know if there's any lust in my heart. Know if there's anything, Lord God, in my heart that's going to pull me away from the people that I love the most. And Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit today. God, let your Holy Spirit just pour out upon me, Lord God, and give me the fruit of your Spirit. And then I go into his word, and I read his word. And I let his word wash my brain and wash my mind and wash my attitude as the Bible says that I'm, I'm not to conform to the patterns of this world. And you know the patterns of this world is if somebody hurts you, you hurt them back. The pattern of this world is if she gets on your nerves, divorce her and get a younger girl. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know, the pattern of this world says, you know what, if you're not getting along, if you, you, know, you have irreconcilable differences then just get divorced. The, the pattern of this world is, is, amen, if the pastor offends you, go and find another church. If, 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 if a brother or sister in the church gets on your nerves, go to another service. But see, when I read the word, the word tells me that I'm going to make every effort to keep the peace. When I read the word, the word tells me that, that love is not just a word, but it's an action. And love is patient. And love is kind. And love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And love hopes and it believes. It believes the best in other people. It believes in reconciliation. It believes in restoration. It believes in unity. And it, and it protects the, the spirit of unity in the church. And so I change my mind. And then, and then what do I do after I do all that? I read the word, I pray, and seek the Lord. And then I use my words with kindness. I often send my wife a text in the morning as she's traveling to work. Hun, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. And I pray for my wife every morning. I pray that the shalom of God on her life. Oh, God, I pray that you prosper my wife. I pray, God, that you bless my wife. You know why? Because if mama's happy, everybody's happy. Glory to God. But we pray and we pray for the other person. You can't be angry with a person that you really seriously pray for in your life. And then the Bible says that, there, the, the, that, that there's power in our tongue to bring life or death. You want to have good relationships. Be kind in your words to people. You want somebody to love you? Listen to me. You want somebody to love you? Just be kind in your words and be authentic and sincere about it. Man, I just want you to know I appreciate you. I just want you to know I love you. When's the last time? Listen to me, men. You know you're having a tough time right now. You think your wife isn't giving you the love that you want. When's the last time you gave her the love that she needed? When's the last time you just said, "Hun, I just think you're the best in the whole world. I love you so much. I want you to know you're so precious and you're so wonderful. And thank you for the things that you do for me. You know, we use our words to bring life to, to relationships. 
We bring words to bring life to other people. Write some cards. Write some letters to people. Encourage them. Breathe life into them. That's how we prepare for peace. So as we close this morning, let me just really quick, and, and I can, I, this is really, honestly, this is like an hour and a half teaching, and I wish I could do it all, but time is gone. But let me just give you real quick. I'm just going to give them to you real quick. Number one, how do you know that you're a peacemaker? Number one, write this down. A peacemaker a peacemaker is fully aware of his or her own brokenness and sinfulness and shortcomings. Remember, every beatitude builds for the next beatitude. And so now we're on peacemakers. And so blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When we're poor in spirit, we become a peacemaker. Why? Because the next one is, is I recognize that I I need mercy in my life, so I give a lot of mercy back. That, therefore, I'm a peacemaker. I mean, I want you to think about it. Think about it. Look at me. Think about it. Blessed are the poor in heart. You're building a foundation. I'm nothing without God. Blessed are those who mourn over their spiritual condition. Man, I'm, I'm wretched without God. Blessed are the meek. Wow, God, you've forgiven me of my sin. I walk in humility now. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I hunger and thirst after being like God. Blessed are the merciful because God has given me such mercy in my life. How many of you have received God's incredible mercy in your life? You know, when, when I look on Facebook... It's so depressing sometimes when I look on Facebook and I read the Facebook quotes of some of you folks in the church, how cruel you are to other Christians when they fall or they fail. I think to myself, my God, this person has no clue how much mercy God has given to them. How much mercy God has given to us. We are the, the most wretched people without God. God doesn't look at our sin as if our sin is any better than somebody else's sin. There are no degrees of sin in God's eyes. Now, there are consequences. There are some sins that God says it's an abomination because there are incredible consequences to that. But let me tell you something. Look at me. I'm going to say it one more time. Your lying will send you straight to hell. The consequences of that little white lie is just as bad is someone who's living an alternative lifestyle according to your definition or God's def or the word's definition. And so we have received an abundance of mercy. When I see people, when I see Christians judging other people, I just realize that Christian has no idea of the depth of mercy that they've received in their own life. And so God says, blessed are the merciful because they receive mercy from God. And when you don't give mercy to other people, guess what? You're never going to be able to receive the mercy of God in your life. Be careful, Christians. Be careful of judging someone else. Because when you judge somebody else, God has to judge you for your sin. Number two, a peacemaker is fully aware of God's mercy. Like I said, grace and forgiveness in their lives so that they can freely give it to others. That's two. Number three. A peacemaker walks in empathy for others. Empathy. Don't judge another man until you walk in their shoes. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, but I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't respond to that. How do you know? Don't judge another person until you walk in their shoes. Listen to me. Hurt people 
hurt people. And the reason why so many people do what they do is because they've been wounded, they've been bruised, they've been abused, and they respond to their own pain. And if we're going to be like Jesus, then we've got to be able to say, God, help me to be that sympathetic person in their life to understand that the reason why they're angry, the reason why they're so they're steeped in sin. I mean, some people, you look at their lives and you think, why? What, what leads them to do drugs like that? What leads them to prostitution? What leads them to do the things that they do in their life? And you've got to realize that it's the enemy that blinds their eyes and wounds their soul, their, their babies, their children, their young adults, their adults that have been touched and, and, and bruised and wounded by the devil. And we've got to realize that if we show them mercy in our life, it doesn't mean that we're saying that we, we, we agree with their sin. It just, it just says we agree that we've all been hurt by the enemy. And we show them empathy. Number five, a peacemaker is not afraid to confront conflict, injustice, or wrongs, the wrongs of this world in a biblical and godly way. We talked about it in Matthew chapter five. Number five, a peacemaker is quick to ask for forgiveness. Listen, some of you, here's the bottom line. You're in turmoil and there's no peace in your life because you haven't asked for forgiveness. So we're going to practice this right now. You ready, Pastor Henry? We're going to practice this. You ready? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I know some of you, this is going to sound so like spiritual to you. You're thinking I'm speaking in tongues. Are you ready? We're going to practice this. You ready? I want you to learn how to say this. I was wrong. <laughs> Practice with me. Ready? Oh, that sounded like tongues. I was wrong. I'm ready? Ready? For some of you, like, this is like, oh my, I don't know if I can say this. It's too deep for me. I'm sorry. Practice it. Come on, come on. Let me, let me see how you use your... your I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Because some of us, we're so afraid to say we're wrong. Do you know why we're afraid to say we're wrong? Because we're so insecure. We think if we admit we're wrong, there's something wrong with us. No, we're just human. And we've got we've to be quick. You know, you know what the Bible says? In Matthew chapter 5, same chapter, same context, he said, and if somebody's offended you or you have offended, go, go and make it right. And listen to what he says, and make it right quickly, quickly. Do it quickly. Say you're sorry quickly. Don't wait a month. Oh, well, I'll just, I'll get around to it. Don't wait a year. If you've done something, he said, quickly go. And make it right. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the enemy a foothold. You know what happens? He said, make it right with your adversary. Lest you, you don't make it right and your adversary now takes you to court and takes everything away from you. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the enemy, the devil, getting in there, creating bitterness in the other person's heart, giving that other person story after story about you, against you. And then all of a sudden, man, that little thing that you could have, you, you, you could have dealt with it. It could have been over with, done. And all you had to do was say, I'm oh, sorry. Now it's turned into a big thing. You don't even know why you're getting divorced any longer. Well, it's because you let the sun go down. 
Ask for forgiveness quickly. And then next, give forgiveness freely. But some of us, we want to hold on. We think if we hold this person, then we got something over them. But the Bible tells us we're called to reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, and we're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So we do it. We do it quickly. We forgive, and we ask for forgiveness. And lastly, a peacemaker. Listen to me. A peacemaker understands. And it's not up there. A peacemaker understands the true definition of the word shalom. In the Bible, the word for peace is shalom. And I want to I tell you what that word really means. It doesn't mean absence of turmoil or conflict. What it means is prosperity, blessing, all of God's blessing and prosperity. So when, when, when they say pray for the peace of Jerusalem, when it says keep the peace, what it's really saying is, is you want that person that you're in conflict with, you want that person to prosper. You want that person to be blessed. Listen to me. I don't know about you, but there's been a few people in my life that I've been in conflict with. I've even, listen, I've even said, I forgive you. Okay, let's just, let's just, let's just have peace. But on the inside, I was like, oh God, I pray you strike them dead. <laughs> I pray they learn their lesson. I pray they'll never be blessed. I pray until they come to the realization of all the wrong that they've done in their life, I pray they'll be cursed, Lord God. I pray that they'll never get here. I pray, I pray you show them, Lord God, how wrong they are. That's not shalom. Shalom is, Lord, I want that other person to be blessed even more than I am blessed. I want that person to get that raise. I want that person to be healed in their body. I want that person to have a great marriage. I want that person to prosper even as their soul prospers. That's the heart of a true peacemaker as the worship team comes. Now think about it. Shh. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did when he died on the cross? Listen to me. Look at me. They spit on him. They beat him. They mocked him. They rejected him. And when he was dying on the cross, he was saying, Father... I take it all so that my children who have rejected me, you hung Jesus on the cross. I hung Jesus on the cross. And he did all of that so we can become rich in God. That's the heart of a peacemaker. Let's